Lincoln Riley counting on Alex Grinch's defense to win USC a football game is exactly similar to the Rebel Alliance counting on the moon of Alderaan, or maybe it's a planet. I'm a little a little dull on my Star Wars lore here. To Alderaan defending itself from the beam of doom from the Death Star. If you're USC football right now, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. Your defense is about as unbearable and causes as much pain and suffering to the Trojan fan base as much as Iowa's offense does to their fan base. In in fact, probably more than that, because Iowa football is not expected to compete for national titles, let alone for conference titles. And yet, USC over here is a blue blood, a blue blood that is getting pounded drive after drive, game after game, by Utah, by Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham's a top five head coach. Few people rank him that high. Many don't view him as an elite head coach, but he is. He's top five, top four nationally. He is the embodiment of Paul Christ from 2015 to 17, except better and unlike Christ, Whittingham has never gotten dull. He also looks like a movie star, so that's a total plus. And he has really great character. He commands the locker room well. He establishes discipline and physicality amongst his players. And his team is versatile. I mean, Bryson Barnes is a former walk-on at quarterback. And Sione Vaki never played a snap on offense until a few weeks ago when Utah is suffering through so many injuries on offense. They need him to play running back and also play running back slash receiver out of the backfield. And you know what a walk-on and a converted defensive player do? They outplay USC stars on offense. USC folded up like a lawn chair. They made Bryson Barnes look like prime Lamar Jackson. What are you doing letting him scrambling down the field, or scramble down the field, pardon my grammar, get inside the 25 and set up a game-winning field goal for a team that is not traditionally known for their kicking unit? What are you doing, Alex Grinch, and what are you doing, Lincoln Riley? You have Caleb Williams at quarterback. You have Marshawn Lloyd. And Austin Jones, one of the better and more explosive and balanced running back duos in all the country. You pass 35 times and you run 23, averaging over 6 yards per carry and Marshawn Lloyd having an explosive run. What are you doing? Serious right here. Alex Grinch shouldn't be allowed back in the practice facility ever again. Now, that's an exaggeration. He should coach until the end of the season, but after that, he has to be let go. I mean, him and he who shall not be named from Iowa had some of the most pathetic performances in Week 8. It just, it it blows my mind how some of these teams with head coaches that are praised all around, like Lincoln Riley, Kirk Ferentz, Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Swinney, Mario Cristobal, although people more accurately rate him and are free to criticize him, these 
coaches are too often viewed through the past. View them and take them for what they are in the present. Thank you. Before we resume with this video, please subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell. USC fans, welcome to the Big Ten. I'm excited to have you, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon added to what should be starting next year the deepest and best conference in all college football. And who knows? Right now, according to FPI, points per play, yards per point, and all these other advanced analytics, and even my own power rankings, the Big Ten looks like it has some of the best teams in all of college football right now. And Michigan and Ohio State are beginning to be widely regarded as the top two teams in all of football, which is awesome. And for USC, as much as I just complained about them and ripped them for the previous few minutes, and rightfully so, I think that Lincoln Riley can quickly fix all of that. It, it I think, is easier than some may want to admit or easier than some may think. If USC gets a Jim Leonard or let's just insert Jim Knowles from Ohio State or Jesse Minner from Michigan, Joe Rossi from Minnesota, Phil Parker from Iowa, Tony White from Nebraska, or even Tosh Lupoy from Oregon, or a Morgan Scaley from Utah. That, that would be a great defense overnight because they have talent there. And Lincoln Riley, with his offense, even though it's looked bland and off-kilter this season, Lincoln Riley's offense with a great defense would be intimidating. That would be a playoff team and a true national title contender, unlike every Lincoln-Riley team that we have seen since his best team in his head coaching tenure, that being 2017 Oklahoma. So like this video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell so you get notified when I talk more about USC football, Big Ten football, which USC will be a part of next year. And also I like to touch on Oregon, Washington, UCLA has played some good games, but I haven't gotten to them yet, but I'm trying to target Pac-12 fan bases that are joining the Big Ten next year just to get you all familiar with the best YouTube channel for Big Ten football. So comment your thoughts down below as well, your reaction to this game, especially if you're a USC fan or if you're a Utah fan. Utah is one of my favorite programs in college football, again, because of their toughness, their versatility, their elite coaching, they have one of the best staffs in all of college football. In fact, they might have the best staff in college football in terms of development, coaching, play calling, and putting their roster and themselves in a position to win. Utah is an incredible program. I wanted them, in fact, to join the Big Ten, but it will be awesome to see them in the Big 12. Lastly, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description. My Patreon Features, if you're an All-American or Heisman, Patreon bonus content with insider access to my potential power rankings, which try and predict wins and outcomes relating to spread. It got this game right. It predicted that Utah was going to go into USC and win, and indeed they did. And for the Trojans, I'd just say whether it's shame, whether it's disappointment, whether it's sadness. I don't know what emotions that staff, locker room, or the, the fan base are feeling, but it can't feel good. Your college football playoff hopes are already over if you're USC. 
And the way that USC lost was just an epitome of the team that they are. In the same way that Iowa losing to Minnesota was in somewhat a caricature of what Iowa football is. Just close losses that were caused in large part by the side of the football that they ignore, but also moments out of the side of the football that they pride where there were breakdowns, where Iowa got ran on and allowed a deep play-action pass. USC on offense settled for multiple field goals, and USC failed a two-point conversion that would have brought this game effectively to overtime. Caleb Williams was 24 of 34 for 256 yards. He threw no touchdowns in this game. So this isn't just on Alex Grinch. This is on Lincoln Riley and really the whole staff for USC. But we've talked about the Trojans a lot, primarily because they're a big focus in this game, but also nationally. Utah, I thought preseason was college football playoff national title contender material. The problem is Kuthi's still hurt. Their running back room is in tatters. Jaquindon Jackson, it's basically Jaquindon Jackson and Sione Vaki right now. And Cameron Rising's not returning for the whole year. He's going to redshirt and either play at Utah next year, or who knows, maybe he enters the transfer portal. And I think there's a big drop-off from Cameron Rising's play to Bryson Barnes or, pardon me, I for, Nate Johnson. Nearly forgot his name, but Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes, these are solid quarterbacks who have the ability to run, who can pass, and who can win football games, despite the fact that I think Cameron Rising's a much better quarterback. My player of the game is Bryson Barnes. He had the game-winning scramble. It takes eyes to see the field, to have vision, and it takes agility, elusiveness, acceleration, athleticism, and toughness to make that play, to get that 26-yard scramble. He was 14 of 23, for 235 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Bryson Barnes, fun fact, has never lost in a game where he's the starting quarterback. He's undefeated as a starter. Bryson Barnes had a career high against USC in quarterback rating. He had a 79.0 quarterback efficiency rating, which is a season high. And he had a 181 passer rating, also a season high. And he had 57 rushing yards. Again, season high. And three passing touchdowns. Again, a season high. That, in sum, tells you everything you need to know about USC's defense. And also, importantly for Utah and for Bryson Barnes, because they host Oregon, and Oregon is an infinitely better team than USC right now. If USC-Oregon were to be played today or this weekend, you know, whatever the spread is, take Oregon to cover it and then some. This Oregon team would shellack this USC team and just, you know, kick them, kick them in the gut until they died. That's basically what Oregon would do to USC. Utah has the toughness and the home field environment to potentially pull off something here, especially since USC did look sluggish against Washington State, and I imagine they're still recovering and trying to, you know, get the diesel engine going after a disappointing loss to Washington. This game's a confidence builder for Bryson Barnes. Bryson Barnes averaged over 10 yards per pass attempt, 
three passing touchdowns. He had one bad interception that was returned for six. This is That's the other funny thing about USC. They only had one, two, three. They only have three offensive scores. They only had a total of 26 offensive points. And really, if you only count, you know, touchdowns that were scored and then the extra points following them, they only had 20. I mean, that's just... It's crazy to think about. USC's defense has showed moments where they, you know, you have potential, they can make plays, they can get sacks, pressure, can force turnovers, but they can't stop the run, they can't cover the pass. In truth, USC's defense is as follows. Either they sack you, they force a turnover, or they let you get into the end zone and score a touchdown. Maybe occasionally they hold you to a field goal. It's crazy. And the offense against Notre Dame only scored two touchdowns. They only scored three touchdowns, one of which was due to Zachariah Branch, phenomenal player, awesome wide receiver, some of the fastest wheels in all of college football, and he has brains. You can't just have speed. You got to have vision and you got to have intelligence to make the returns that he does on a consistent basis. He's going to be one of the best wide receivers in the country, I'd say, as early as next season. He made an amazing return nearly for six. And I think it was Utah's punter or one of the other special teams players that stopped him short. And that set up USC's touchdown from 11 yards away from the end zone. That was a Caleb Williams 11-yard run. But for Bryson Barnes, he outplayed Caleb Williams. He really did. And Kyle Whittingham was not afraid to make comparisons after the game, praising Caleb Williams, but also referencing Bryson Barnes and talking about him and saying, we're proud of him too. And you should be. Bryson Barnes, he made the throws to Sione Vaki. He only had one turnover. He made several, you know, perfect touch passes accurate throws, over 50 yards of scrambling, setting up the game-winning score, managed himself well, went into an environment that I won't say is hostile, but it's still a road game. It isn't like a road game against Indiana or Duke or Rutgers or Maryland or Vanderbilt or a team that lacks a fan base or can never fill their stadium. As long as USC is successful, that place will be rocking bumping, it'll be loud, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he went into that environment, a tough road Pac-12 environment, and he won. And I think that USC, more so Utah, rather, they've put themselves in a good position. This is building Bryson Barnes' skill, his character, his toughness. He's going to get confidence out of this game. For USC, this is demoralizing. It's not like they lost to Cameron Rising, Utah, or a fully healthy Utah. If Utah was healthy from the get-go, maybe they still would have lost to Oregon State, but we'd be talking about them as potential playoff contenders right now if they were fully healthy. This defense is among the best in the nation, especially at defending the pass. They have to get a little better, in my mind, at defending the run. It's an area where they have some vulnerability offensively. Utah is challenged, but they looked good in this game. Large part of that due to USC's inept defense, but also I think they did show out a little more than we would have expected from Utah here. Utah is not, they're not even close to being inside of the top 50 
in points scored per game. In fact, they're 99th. They're barely inside the top 100, scoring 23.4 points per game, only allowing 15 points per game, though, which is 11th nationally. So Utah's down several mighty men, and yet they came into USC, and they beat a team that is infinitely more talented than them and that recruits much better than they do. And Kyle Whittingham is now 3-0 and against a head coach that many would rank ahead of him. But as I've said before, I think Kyle Whittingham's a top-five head coach. In terms of USC, I don't think Lincoln Riley, I gotta be honest, after watching this team, and it's one thing if USC looked as grimy as they did in their first six wins, but then they won close against Notre Dame, or they won close against Utah. Because then you could then you could say, hey, this team is, you know, pulling itself along and they're struggling, but they're still getting good wins. They're closing out. And I'd say if USC was 8-0 right now, the conversation would probably be more along the point of Grinch probably still needs to go, but USC just needs better players in the trenches and a new DC and better defensive players, and you just get those things, Lincoln Riley could have himself his first national championship. But this 6-2 and two, and the offense being as effortlessly to diagnose as they have been, Notre Dame shut them down. Utah didn't shut them down, but they limited that offense, and they did it very nicely. This isn't just on the defense. This isn't just the fact that Andrew Voorhees and other offensive linemen left the program for the NFL. That's not what this is. This isn't USC needs to reload at wide receiver because they no longer have a Jordan Addison type. That's not what's going on here. The offense, along with the defense, is soft, unorganized. They can't. They're they're anti-clutch. They are literally the definition of anti-clutch. Zachariah Branch is probably the most clutch player on that team right now. Because if he doesn't return that punt, Utah may not have had to scramble inside of the 30 to set up the game-winning field goal. They might have been able to stop USC right there and knee it out. I don't know, though. But Utah had 401 offensive yards. 18 first downs, 25 minutes of possession, one turnover, four touchdowns, three from the offense, one was a a pick six. Utah outgained them in total yards. They had a 10-minute possession advantage, a five first down advantage. Both had one turnover each, a fumble for USC, an interception for Utah. Utah was two of three on fourth down, three of 13 on third down. USC was four of 11 on third down. Utah had more penalties, eight penalties for 50 yards. USC had six penalties for 47. Utah had almost 250 rushing yards and had almost about the same amount of passing yards with more yards per attempt than SC. Utah was more efficient with so much less and so many injuries. They were more efficient on both sides of the football. That is utterly humiliating. This isn't just an Alex Grinch problem or a recruiting problem, or a rebuilding problem. This is a Lincoln-Riley problem. This performance, along with Notre Dame's, and the performance against Arizona, against San Jose State, against Colorado, 
I'm questioning whether he's even a top 10 or top 15 head coach. I really am. Is Lincoln Riley aware of what's going on? Does he care about the future of USC? Does he care about the defense, even about the offense? Does he care even about Caleb Williams? Does Caleb Williams care about the team? I mean, Caleb Williams hasn't been protected all season long. You you can watch the game against Utah, against Notre Dame, against even Colorado. Colorado has no defense. They sacked Caleb Williams twice and and forced his first interception. Arizona, they sacked him four times. Notre Dame got six sacks on Caleb Williams. Utah got three. Nevada sacked him once. Arizona State was able to get pressure. I have no clue how. Now, they limited Colorado's offense, and they limited Washington's as well, but nonetheless, you look at you look at everything for USC, and for the defense, it's obviously worse, but even for the offense, there are things to critique. The attitude of this team as well bothers me. There's no energy. There's no excitement. There doesn't seem to be much accountability. Maybe I'm reading this the wrong way. I'm still learning about, you know, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. I don't know as much about them as I do the bigger programs in the Big Ten, like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, who are successful, and some of the bigger brands below them, like Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota's a team I'm interested in. Michigan State's somewhat of a bigger brand. Um, Iowa. I'm still learning. So I'm not, you know... I'm not really close to an insider with USC in the same way that maybe I am with Michigan, Ohio State. And even then, I don't consider myself an insider with those teams. I just report on what I see, what I hear, my perception, looking at the box score, watching the games, thinking about them, re-watching some highlights. It is what it is. Maybe I'm missing something. And if I am, tell me in the comment section below. But there's something wrong There's something off with Lincoln Riley and USC. And these are things that have to be fixed entering the Big Ten. Because how this team is playing in the Big Ten, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan would blow this team out of the water. This game would be over by halftime. And against other teams, even though there's a big drop-off from those three to the rest of the conference... There, I mean, you're you're telling me that USC is going to stop Braylon Allen from running all over them? You're telling me that even Rutgers with Kyle Manungai can't run over this defense, control, t- control time of possession? And also that, you know, Bryson Barnes isn't an elite passer. He's not even really a great or good passer. You're telling me that Gavin Wimsat or Brennan Soresby or even Heinrich Harburg, dare I say his name, couldn't light up this secondary this is bonkers how and why is usc this way with the talent they have because every issue that lincoln riley has been ignoring is coming back to slap him in the face he also i've heard reports that he's interested in the nfl and that would also explain a lot of this because the team doesn't seem focused riley doesn't seem focused riley right now to me Looks like a guy who thought that he would waltz in to the Pac-12 and own everyone and everything instantly. 
Similarly to how Jim Harbaugh walked into Michigan, if I'm being honest, and then Urban Meyer was Harbaugh's reality check, Kyle Whittingham is Lincoln Riley's reality check. He owns Lincoln Riley and USC. Uh, Kyle Whittingham beat USC on the road in 2021. And then he, he right now, this is a four-game win streak, a four-game win streak that Kyle Whittingham has against the Trojans. Four-game win streak. It's crazy. Blew out SC in 21, beat him with a two-point conversion, a genius play call by Andy Ludwig in 22, blew him out again in the Pac-12 championship game in 22, and beat him in a close game in 2023, just two days ago. The Utes have elite depth. That, to me, is very clear. I mean, you cannot have Sione Vaki switch from a defensive player to offense and have that performance and then tell me that Utah doesn't know how to put their players in the best position to win, that they don't know how to develop, and more importantly, they know their roster. They, they know their roster. I mean, Vaki making that switch, Vaki is one of the better safeties in all of college football from what I know. I mean, he has a pick, a pass deflected, 25 solo tackles. He played some defense, in fact, against USC. He did, and he has a sack and 34 total tackles. And then on the offensive side of the ball, he has turned 32 rushing yards for two touchdowns and 144 receiving yards for two touchdowns. And he even has some time in special teams. Vaki is a do-it-all player. Do-it-all player. You have to know your roster to find a player like him and to sub him in into a position where he fits best. That's good on Andy Ludwig, good on Morgan Scaly, good on Kyle Whittingham, good on that whole football staff. And for Bryson Barnes to be able to make the plays that he made, and for him to join the program as a walk-on, shows that Utah is great at scouting. They're a great scouting school. They know how to do more with less, and turn diamonds in the rough into diamonds. It's incredible. This is why Utah is one of my favorite programs in all of college football right now, and it's been that way for the past two seasons. Last year, I predicted them to go to the playoff. Well, that dream died relatively quickly. And in 2021, I think I picked them to be successful. More successful than... I think I predicted Utah in 2021 to go 11-2 in the regular season and reach the Pac-12 championship game with a chance to go to the playoff. I mean, I've been very high on Utah. And this season, I predicted Utah to go 12-2. and um, I predicted them to reach the Pac-12 championship game with a chance to go to the playoff with a win, lose to Washington, and then win their bowl game to finish 12-2. and That can still happen this year, by the way. Um, if they, they can beat Utah, Utah wins every other game, and... Utah wins out from here. They're only lost to Oregon State, which is what I predicted. I, I thought they'd lose to Oregon State in the preseason. And my Pac-12 championship game pick is still alive. That's nuts. This team, despite being down several players, is still exceeding national expectations. That's a great... Heck, that's an elite program led by an elite head coach. If USC had the type of scouting, toughness the type of head coach that Kyle Whittingham is, if they had that, 
Where would USC be right now with the talent that they have? What could Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig and Morgan Scaley do with the talent littered on USC's defense, littered on USC's offense? I mean, what what would how Utah could use Marshawn Lloyd? They could use Austin Jones. They need healthy running backs. Imagine if Caleb Williams played for Utah. We'd be talking about them like, holy cow, Utah would be a national title contender if you gave them some of USC's players. And, and maybe that's me stretching it, but I think that's true. So this is a stark difference in two programs right now. One where they're excellent at recruiting and they're excellent, maybe formerly excellent at offense, but at least still great. But they're questionable at defense. They're soft. They, you know, they, they're not good in the trenches. Special teams is only good because of Zachariah Branch. They're sloppy. They're not focused. They don't have good attitude. Contrast that with Utah. Utah doesn't have the same offense or recruiting prowess, but Utah, their roster's more disciplined. They're tougher. Utah has great trench play. Utah has an elite defense. They can tackle. And what they can't recruit, what they can't recruit, they can surely scout and develop into NFL players. So Cameron Rising not starting really, I think, hurts this team because I think if they had Rising playing right now, this would be a this would be a college football playoff contender. Um, it's it's hard it, it for me. It's hard seeing them win out, which they would need to do to reach the playoff. They have Washington on the road. They have Oregon at home. Colorado. Utah's the type of team where they could get in trouble with Colorado just because there isn't that same talent gap that, let's say, SC playing Colorado or Georgia playing Colorado or Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State playing Colorado. That lack of recruiting talent can sometimes bite you in the butt with these small games, and we've seen that with Utah and Kyle Whittingham before. But can they do it? Can they win out? Yeah. Is it likely? No. But neither is it likely for USC. I think USC will probably lose to both Oregon and Washington. Utah has a chance of going 1-1 one and one, or perhaps, dare I say it, 2-0 and oh in that series with how sloppy Washington looked against Arizona State and the fact that they have home field advantage against Oregon. Thank you so much for watching this video. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and comment your thoughts down below. I want to give a shout out to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst and Noah DDLC, my All-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Noman, Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Potential power went 14-11 and 11 against the spread, and on the year it's over 75% in picking the correct money line. So if you're someone who bets, I personally don't bet, but if you're someone who bets and you're also interested in exploring a new prediction model, either or, consider signing up for the Patreon so you can support the channel, be featured at the end of the video, and also get interesting picks and perspectives. Potential Power is basically my own thoughts, grading every roster and staff, and also importing importing numbers like raw statistics such as points per play margin and yards per point margin. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.